Hey there, I'm Mei Ling, life coach, and this is my podcast, Finding Freedom in the Hologram. So, I'm recording this on a very, very cloudy weekend morning. However, I'm very grateful because yesterday was a super muggy 30 degrees Celsius, and today it cooled, has cooled down about 6 degrees, which is very significant, and I'm super grateful. It's kind of funny because my friends joke with me and they say, hey, you're from Singapore, you should be used to this humidity, which is true. However, I feel that people in the southern states here, like in Melbourne and in Sydney, we are not cut out for humidity in terms like the housing, the infrastructure, right? the apartments. Um, Melbourne is cold most of the year. So everything is constructed in a way that it's more suitable for heating people think about warming places up not cooling places down (laughs) so when the weather changes and provides that cool relief mother nature you know i feel super grateful it kind of it's very soothing to me now this week i like to talk about self-esteem Ooh, do you have healthy self-esteem do you cherish and appreciate yourself For all that you are and all that you're not? How do you feel in the face of your imperfections, in the face of your screw-ups? Do you treat yourself the way you would your child, your niece or your nephew when they screw up? Or do you berate yourself and beat yourself up? Do you think, oh my gosh, I was so stupid, why did I do that? And repeat that in your head again and again. Now, when you have self, healthy self-esteem, no matter what happens, no matter what the situation, you always know inherently, innately in you, and you see yourself with warm, loving, kind eyes. You have self-compassion. And no matter what your behavior, right? Even in a fit of anger, when you have a tantrum, when you have said something that you regret it or did something you regret you are able to still look at yourself in the mirror and say hey I'm a flawed human being I really really screwed up this time but it's going to be okay it's going to be fine I'm going to make amends I'm going to say my apologies there are learnings here that can that I can learn from and take away but I'm going to move on it's okay I'm human However, if you associate the bad behavior and automatically equate that, that you're a bad person, that's when we are delving into shame territory. And my gosh, shame. Shame is such a huge topic in itself. It deserves its own episode, which is what I'm going to do later in this season. Now, self-esteem. So, I read recently that self-esteem can be broadly categorized into three types. And frankly, I think that psychologists and therapists and any scientists, you know, anybody who writes in a peer-reviewed journal, we feel so much better about ourselves and safer when we can categorize something. You know, we want to be able to put things into a box, neatly, into a box, and Marie Kondo everything. It makes us feel better, right? Um... Although, so I think it falls on a spectrum, you know, it's a continuous spectrum, but hey, this is what I found and I actually do find this useful. I have found this useful, so I hope it's also useful for you to think about at least. 
So the first one is, I believe that I'm worthy and deserving of love because of what I can do. So it's performance-based. And I believe all the men out there can totally relate to this. Because if you think about it, right, caveman times, early humans, it's the men that has to go out and hunt and literally bring home the bacon, right? They have to go out and hunt the wild boar. They have to provide for their family. They have to protect the wife and kids, right? And also, so many cultures, if you think about it, the rite of passage, the transition between boy and man, you know, like through puberty, it's like you have to go out and do some daring stunt all alone and camp out and you have to go on a quest to prove yourself, right? And based on what you can do, and then you earn the respect and worthiness of saying that, yes, you are right. You are right now for to proceed on to the other stage. So it's performance-based, based on what you can do. Now, the other type of self-esteem is I am worthy and I am deserving of love because you think I do. Can you imagine that your entire concept of yourself, of whether you are worthy and deserving of love, is based on other people, what other people think? And you're not a mind reader. (laughs) You know, first of all, you're not a mind reader. And second of all, my gosh, like, it's like you're a puppet. You are so privy. You are are swayed to everybody's thoughts and emotions, everybody that you encounter, everything you are trying to interpret, their reaction. You know, you read in between the lines and, and you analyze and you drive yourself totally nuts, right? Trying to figure out, do they think I'm worthy? Did they say something? I'm not sure if this means this or that. Is it positive? Is it negative? It can be taken either way. That is crazy. Crazy. Right? And yet, so many of us, and I can say this as a woman of color, so many of us as women of color, that's what we do. We afflict this upon ourselves. We agonize and feel, I don't think I deserve this promotion, you know? I think like I'm being put here, I'm being elected to this board just because I'm the token, you know, woman of color on this board because they want to be seen as having like being, of having diversity and being inclusive. I'm the token colored person. <laughs> you know, all these crazy thoughts in our head, like we, and we create self-doubt for ourselves, right? We, we agonize so much because of this. Now, the third kind of self-esteem is I am worthy and deserving of love because of what I have. So based on things, based on things, on material things, on wealth, on your status, on how much money you have. And come on, look at our consumerist society, right? (laughs) That is exactly what is afflicting us today. And I'm Singaporean and I am sure... If you're a Singaporean or Malaysian or you have Singaporean or Malaysian friends at university, you have a very good idea what I'm talking about. So now, when I was a teenager growing up, I'm not sure if teenagers now, they are aware of this, but there was a joke. There was a running joke, you know, in Singapore that 
If you are looking for somebody to marry, so specifically for women, you know, as girls, when we are thinking about boys and men, you know, that we're going to like think about being our boyfriend or has the potential, you know, somebody we could marry in the future. There were some considerations that we need to consider. Something called the five C's. What are the five C's, you ask? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. So the five C's. Number one, career. Two, car. Three, credit card. Four, cash. Five, condominium. Mm-hmm. All because of what people have, <laughs> specifically the men. So these are criteria. <laughs> so we have to make sure that they have a good career, you know, a career that earns good money, bring home, brings home the bacon, has possibility for promotion, ideally they are C-suite, whatever. Two, cars. And as I have alluded in the previous episode, cars in Singapore are very expensive because the government wants to prevent people from buying cars on our tiny island. Three, credit card. And not just any credit card. I think now it's got to be some credit card with a ridiculously high barrier of entry and a ridiculously high annual fee. So something like an Amex black credit card or something. I'm not an expert on that here. <laughs> for cash, you know, they've got to have savings and enough cash for, you know, to have a good down payment on a fancy condominium, preferably with a French name. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm not going to expand upon that here, but there's a running joke about that in Singapore. That foreign equals fancy. Um, and the fifth one, condominium. So, um, condominium is built by private property developers so they are not the housing the housing development board's um, plan construction of what they call flats for the common people um, so condominium usually has a security guard out front and there's usually a swing pool and a gym or something like that something that makes the residents feel fancy fancier and better than the rest of the population basically <laughs> So the society I grew up in is very attribute-based. <laughs> now, the very good news is in your hologram and actually every aspect of your life, wherever you are now, I wanted, the good news that I want to tell you is this. Self-esteem is not about confidence or mastery of skills or what other people think of you. It is actually spiritual. You have worth and dignity as a human being purely by existing. You are totally worthy and lovable because you're human. Like you are listening to this podcast now, you are lovable. You are worthy. <laughs> Don't let anybody take that from you. Your worth doesn't change and it doesn't decrease or become less than based on what you or others around you do or say. It can't be, sub be subtracted upon. It is a fact. It is a spiritual fact, right? So it's not based on status. Isn't that great news? Like, you are 100% worthy and deserving of love and respect, and nobody can take that about you. So I want you to sit with that fact in your head, with that feeling, let it sink deep into your bones. Feel it 
energize you, feel it fill you up. How does that feel now? Doesn't it feel amazing? Nobody can take that away from you. So it's not about status. And it's not about what others think. It is about you being worthy purely by being a human being, purely by being born into this world. You are not more than or less than than the next person next to you. Now, I wholeheartedly believe in this. And this is actually a principle and a value that I truly, truly believe in. Because as an optometrist, I believe in giving every patient equal care. And, you know, be it the homeless person who's claiming Centrelink benefits, like social welfare benefits, who hasn't showered in a month, or the Supreme Court judge who is trying to learn how to like put contact lenses in. <laughs> you know, every patient that I have seen, I have treated them equally. You know, I see them as all equally deserving of care. So I really prided myself on being able to treat anybody who walked into my office, into my consultation room, as equal. And all of them, and I listen to their presenting complaints, I listen to what they have to say. I look at their reactions and their body language. You know, if they are accompanied by a relative or a spouse or by their kids. You know, I observe all of the interaction around me, their body language. And I give them care. I show them care. And I do whatever I can to serve, to solve their problem, to help them. And it made me feel good, you know. When you help a fellow human being, it makes you feel so good. It's very, very gratifying. And I really, really detested or it just disgusted me when I saw other people and other optometrists, I have to say, very sadly, when they show preference, preferential treatment, right? And like even now in the news, so I don't know when you're going to hear be listening to this podcast, but right now it is January 2022. It's... The Australian Open, right, the tennis tournament is actually meant to be starting. However, the number one seeded player in the world, um, Djokovic from Serbia, he is an infamous anti-vaxxer. Like, he's not vaccinated from the coronavirus. He's been vocal about it. And he came to Australia claiming to have medical exemption. And the authorities here cancelled his visa and they are about to deport him. He, his lawyers, you know, brought it up to a court case and they appealed to this. And the judge actually said it's unfair to be holding him and he should be released. And there are a lot of, a lot of fans here who were so joyous and happy and who celebrated on the streets. And even the president of Serbia. So get this. When more of the case was investigated and details, right, because of social media, they found out that, oh, one day he was tested COVID positive. I think it was 16 December. And then like the next day, he went out and he did some sort of interview, you know, for a sporting show or something like that, um, knowingly when he knew that he was COVID positive. So he admitted that, yep, it was a mistake on his part. And then there were some other bits and pieces. I think it was like, 
administration or paperwork where he blamed his staff, right? So he's not claiming personal responsibility. He's blaming other people. And again, blame and personal responsibility is going to be another episode by itself. (laughs) But it's preferential treatment. My gosh, like... Any other, you know, Australia has very, very strict border rules and regulations. We are known, it's like, it's notoriously difficult to get permanent residency, you know, visa regulations. People who want here, a lot of Americans come here on a one-year working visa. They love it. They love their lifestyle. You know, they want to stay longer, but they can't, right? They have to go back home. So there's so many rules and regulations for so many so-called ordinary people. And I say this, (laughs) um with inverted commas with my fingers but my gosh um even his president was quoted saying like oh technically he broke the rules and back in serbia he would have been like he would have seen jail time or something he was like, however he's seen like a national hero in our country and we really want him to perform well in this like tournament so you know and the newspaper reports were like most likely he'll be doing community service in serbia instead people that just annoys me (laughs) now again in terms of preferential treatment this is another side story (laughs) so when I was an optometrist in Dunedin so in Otago I was working part-time at the hospital in the eye clinic as well as working in a private practice And the private practice had two senior partners, right? So I was a junior. I was a new staff joined in. I moved direct from Melbourne to Dunedin for this job. And we had a brilliant Spanish receptionist from Madrid who was in New Zealand purely because of a Kiwi boyfriend whom they met in London. (laughs) She was in London trying to practice and improve her English. She met him. He was there working or traveling. They fell in love and she traveled to the ends of the earth for love. Anyway, I love Sonia. She is this no-nonsense, straight-up, no-fluff, <laughs> straight-talking girl who I dearly love. And this is what happened. So, both the partners are fully booked and busy for like three, three weeks, a month ahead. So the practice has been a long-standing practice and patients become very loyal, you know? Once they start to see one optometrist, one practitioner, right? If you think about it, your GP, your family doctor, they've seen you, they've seen your kids, you know, every year. They, you develop a relationship with them, a rapport. You know their spouse, you know about their pet, you know about the school, you know, the kids' schools, you know, maybe your kids go to school together. You kind of know each other's lives quite intimately, right? Year after year, if you visit them and you are telling them in terms of medical history, really intimate stuff, your details, right? So we start to develop a deep relationship. And when you have that, it feels very nice. Each time you go for a visit, you don't have to explain yourself from scratch all over again, right? They don't have to ask you questions that you go like, oh. Do I have to repeat this again? Shouldn't all of this be in my record somewhere? (laughs) So you feel so close and you're very loyal to this optometrist. So those two were always fully booked. They're two men, two white men. (laughs) And me as the newcomer, 
I get whoever walks in or whoever doesn't mind, who just is more important about getting seen sooner rather than wanting to be loyal to seeing their usual optometrist, right? So all new patients came to me if possible. Now, one day, all three of us were busy in our rooms. And apparently, a patient of one of the partners came in. And he was 40 minutes late for his appointment, right? He came in, announced his name, announced his own arrival. And Sonia, our Spanish receptionist, looked at the computer. And she said, oh, you are 40 minutes late. And this optometrist is fully booked. So the next available appointment would be, you know, in three weeks' time. When would you like, you know, we have these time available, these times available. When would you like to book your appointment? And he was aghast. He thought it was the most ridiculous thing to hear. And he actually said, do you know who I am? And Sonia, without missing a beat, said, no, do you know who I am? <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? This is why I love Sonia. Right? And I think the rest of the staff were like, <gasps> this feeling like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> but they were secretly enjoying every single moment of it. Anyway, he didn't expect that, right? That had taken him aback. But in the end, eventually, he realized, I think he resigned himself to the fact that there was no other option. So he booked an appointment time and he left. And Sonia didn't think too much about it, no? She didn't think anything about it, right? Later on, when that particular optometrist came out of his room, when he had finished with the patient that he was with currently, and he learned of the fact that this guy came in. Now, this patient is a patient of this optometrist who, you know, has been a loyal patient. And he happens to be a hedge fund manager. And Michael was like, oh my gosh, where is so-and-so now? I can see him. I can see him now. Where is he? Is he here? Is he in a waiting room? And seriously, the moment I saw and heard that, like to witness and observe that behavior where, you know, I was 25 when I moved to New Zealand. So very young in my career. And I was already head of the contact lens clinic. But I always, in every job I had, I don't know if this is very idealistic of me, but I always wish that my boss, my manager, my mentor was somebody that I could look up to and learn from. That was my wish for every job, you know. I really wanted to like, I wanted to learn from this like wise person who's got all this experience, right? Um, to be able to impart their knowledge to me that I can learn from, right? Somebody who I can look up to and go, yes, I want to be like that in how many years' time. So to see and witness this behavior where he's running around like silly, like a headless chicken, right? Going, where is he? Where is he? I can see him now. I can see him now. I was just like really disappointed and frankly disgusted at their behavior. I was like, wait, if this was some other patient, I don't think you would, you know, be so eager to see them now, even though they've missed their appointment and they were like 40 minutes late. Why are you doing this for him? Like just because he's a hedge fund manager? I don't know. I was very conflicted. <laughs> I kept my mouth shut, but I learned so much that day. So giving preferential treatment based on status and like determining in your head if somebody is more worthy or less worthy than, 
more worthy, more deserving or less deserving than, you know, I, I really rebel against that idea. And I hope that today, you know, listening that self-esteem and who you are and your worth and dignity as a human being is not based on what others think. The number one thing that you have to sit with and you have to learn to grow and cultivate is your feelings of self-worth, right? Know your worth. You are worthy and lovable and deserving as a human being from the moment you were born. Nothing can ever take that away from you. And again, as I said, this is your hologram. You are the creator of all your own experiences. And imagine the power, the joy, the relief to feel that your self-esteem, your self-worth, your worthiness of a hu- as a human being, whether you're lovable, whether you're deserving, doesn't depend on what others think or others say or what others do. You are 100% worthy, 100% deserving of love. Your self-esteem is spiritual. You have worth and dignity as a human being purely by existing. I hope this episode was useful and I'll see you next time. Bye.